Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You know how bankers spot counterfeit bills? They spot counterfeit bills not by studying what counterfeit bills look like. They study what the real currency looks like. And when you study the real thing, you'll be able to spot the fake thing. Well, today's message is called 1 Kings 1, The Right King. There's a lot of false kings out there, but which one is the right king? There is a parallel story in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 that I want to read to you real quickly first before we get into it, because I want us to see what the Lord said to David when David was getting ready to build the temple. From 1 Chronicles 22 and 8, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I shall be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Okay, so this is how the Lord was saying that he would still maintain the Davidic covenant despite all the damage that David had done throughout all his time on the throne. But through his son Solomon, the promise is going to continue. So now that we have that information, let's jump into 1 Kings 1, verse 1, where Adonijah presumes to be king. Now King David was old, advanced in years, And they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore his servants said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him. But the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. It says that King David did not know her, this woman that they brought to keep him warm. He did not know her. What this means is there was no sexual immorality about this. Sounds like a very strange thing, but they didn't have electric blankets back then. So that was what they did. It was a common practice. There was no malicious intent about it at all. And so far, we have seen that David has had three sons die. Now, you remember how David was told by Nathan 
the prophet, that somebody had committed these evil things in his kingdom, and David got so angry about it that he applied the penalty of the law, saying that this guy shall restore fourfold. He was so mad about it. But then Nathan said, this man I'm talking about is you. You're the man. And so David has now lost three sons so far that we have seen. The infant son he lost, then Amnon, and then he lost Absalom. So now that Adonijah had exalted himself, which means he lifted himself up, he he pridefully elevated himself, he exalted himself to steal the throne. When we read that the throne was supposed to go to Solomon, then that means Adonijah is about to become number four. David pronounced fourfold penalty on whoever was doing this. Nathan said, you're the guy doing it. And so now David is about to pay the fourfold, the fourfold penalty that he kind of unknowingly had pinned on himself because of Adonijah here. So there in verse five, it says that Adonijah got chariots and horsemen for himself. He did this to try to precondition everybody into thinking that he was about to become the next king. I mean, the guy had absolutely no compassion at all about his father dying. And then verse 6 says that David never rebuked him at any time. What is this talking about? Why is this here? David never disciplined or corrected Adonijah. And so Adonijah has kind of become this spoiled little brat. Nobody has ever told him no. Nobody has ever corrected him. Nobody has ever said, why have you ever, why did you do this? He just, Adonijah is one of those guys that goes around doing whatever he wants, and there's nobody to say otherwise. So he's going to try to do the same thing with the crown. He thinks he's going to get away with it because his whole life he always got away with everything anyway. Now, the fact that verse 6 says that Adonijah was good looking, that means he looked a little bit like me. Come on, just roll with me, okay? Just trying to wake you up. Come on, icebreaker. Humility, humility. Here we go. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm just trying to make you laugh a little bit. If it didn't work, all right, just ignore me. Verse 6 says he was good looking. That means that the people gravitated to him. The people liked him. And what I see in this is they had done the same thing to King Saul. So this is like King Saul Part 2, the sequel, trying to ramp up again. And we saw how bad that went for King Saul. It didn't turn out good. He looked good enough to do the part, Adonijah. He looked great, but he severely lacked the quality of character. Like I said, his dad's dying. David is dying, and he doesn't even care to go see how dear old dad is doing. And so now 1 Kings 1 and 7 says, Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeriah, and Abiathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Okay, that's a good thing because those mighty men we read about recently in the Second Samuel area, those were some tough guys. They stayed with David. That's good. But look at here here's good old Joab the opportunist, our buddy. The guy that always just, uh, if you've been following me, Joab was a a real scoundrel at times. You remember he, he stabbed Abner in a refuge city of all places. So he stabbed Abner in a refuge city. He also stabbed Amasa. That the guy that David replaced him with after Joab got fired. Remember, he sta- they had him stabbed in the street and dragged him off. 
off to the side just to make room for people to go by, didn't even bury him. I mean, I am not surprised that a guy like Joab is jumping into this mess. This just seems like Joab's kind of thing. Now, Abiathar the priest, who remembers him? Back in 1 Samuel 22, after Saul had all those priests killed, it was Abiathar who became David's friend so that he could be protected. Now, here in 1 Kings, he's already turned on David. David protected him, and now Abiathar has turned on him. But something I want us to observe here is that both David and Saul, if you remember back, they were both anointed by God's prophet Samuel before they could become king. David went through a lot of refinement. He went through a lot of toughness that built up his character. Remember, he was always being hunted down all the time. He was learning a lot of strategy. But here's Adonijah. He had never been toughened up before. He had never been rebuked. He would probably cry like a child if he spilled a glass of milk. I mean, he was banding with other misfits to try to take the throne from David, which was in violation of the covenant that God gave to David. It was in violation. It was against the Davidic covenant. Adonijah was trying to steal the throne without the proper prophet of God to anoint him as king before the Lord and before Israel. Saul and David were both anointed by the prophet. Adonijah doesn't have the prophet Nathan with him. So Adonijah was not the right king. This is going to turn out bad, bad, bad. But that is exactly what happens when people exalt themselves. When people try to lift themselves up, it never turns out good because they end up rejecting the Lord God, who is the one who is supposed to raise us up. Many times in the Bible, we have seen it said something like, and the Lord raised up a prophet for Israel, or the Lord raised up a deliverer for Israel. The Lord raised, the Lord raised them up. God raises people up for certain tasks that he would have them to do, but God did not raise up Adonijah. Adonijah raised up himself. But let's take a step back for a minute from looking at these guys as individuals And let's consider if there's a bigger picture going on here. Why so many people run off against David to do this? I mean, is there something bigger going on here? Yes, there is. It comes from what the Lord said to David in 2 Samuel 12 and 10. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your wife. That sin that David committed so long ago. There's a serious ripple effect that was inflaming all these people around him. This is part of the curse. So, yes, there is something bigger going on that's driving everybody crazy like this. It's some sinful mess that David started. Friends, don't sin. When you have a choice to to obey or sin, the ripple effect can go for a long way for a long time. And it's still a problem to David here. 1 Kings 1 and 9. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle. By the stone of Zoheleth, which is by Enrogel, he also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, uh-huh, yeah, Benaiah, the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. <laughs> this is like everyone welcome, come one, come all, except for God's guys. That just tells me that Adonijah knows what he's doing. He knows good and well what he's doing. He's doing something very wrong here, and he knew quite well 
not to get Nathan involved because Adonijah did not want to hear anything from God that would ruin his shot at being king. Adonijah did not want the accountability before God, nor did he want to know what God had to say about what he was trying to do. Adonijah, I think he just figured that if I could just slam jam this throne here and get the crown on my head, then once I get what I want, then I'll have the power to take David's guys out. And who cares about God? You know, I mean, he's not thinking about God. He's not thinking about dad dying, but he's not thinking about the Lord God either. It's very, very selfish when people raise themselves up. This is the kind of dumb things, the spiritual stupidity that they will do. So you can cut God's people out of the loop or try to, but you can never cut God out of the loop. Let's see what he does in 1 Kings one eleven. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Come, please let me now give you advice that you may save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Okay, if you remember the last time somebody tried to steal the throne, David fled. He got up and ran out of Jerusalem. But this time, David is too sick to move. He can't do that like he did last time. He can't run off. Something new and something big and something miraculous has to happen and fast. And so the Lord, you can see, he apparently moved his guy, Nathan, the prophet. He moved the Nathan, the prophet, to act. But there when Nathan said that Adonijah had become king, we know that Adonijah was not the king yet. But what Nathan meant when he said Adonijah has become king was that Adonijah held enough of the majority support of the people to take what he wanted. But kings are not determined by popular vote. 1 Kings one thirteen. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king? Swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Then, while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, What is your wish? Then she said to him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king. Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon your servant he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will happen, when my lord the king rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. Bathsheba took Nathan's advice and went and told David this. But Bathsheba did not exaggerate one bit when she said that they would become offenders if Adonijah gets the throne. You see, in those days when a new king came to take rule, he would secure his throne by condemning all those who were in offense to him, all those who stood against him, all those who hindered his rule. 
they were condemned by that new king. 1 Kings one twenty two. And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today, and has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest, and look, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, Long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my lord the king, and you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Nathan wanted to come in after Bathsheba. They were going to go in to say the same thing, but he wanted to come in after her to back up her words, to back up what she was saying, because the law says that a matter must be established by the story of two or more witnesses. And so David clearly understood that if Adonijah gets that throne, they're dead. That's why they're pleading with him. They're going to be dead because they would be counted as offenders. But you notice how how Nathan, he asked David, is this what you want? Did you say that he should rule after you're gone? I think the reason why Nathan asked David this is because since there were other people witnessing all this going down, Nathan asked the question to prompt David to act on the matter so that everyone would clearly understand David's stance on how he wanted to have this dealt with. So Nathan was just being diplomatic in his words here. He was trying to transfer the initiative off of himself and Bathsheba coming in to tell him about it, transfer the initiative over to David so that David would act on it while in the hearing of many witnesses. So 1 Kings 1 and 28, where David proclaimed Solomon as king. Then King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. I just love how David invoked the name of God. He called upon the Lord God of Israel at this critical moment. So look at what's going on. Adonijah was hiding from God. He was hiding off somewhere else while David ran to God. You got two different guys, one hiding from God, one running to God. You see the difference in these two men. You see the difference of the character between these two men. But let's put yourself in David's shoes here, okay? He was about to die. He had absolutely no strength of his own. He couldn't get up and run off. He had no way that he could make a personal guarantee on his own, not by his own power. He had no way to make a guarantee on how things were about to turn out. And so the only thing that David had left that he could do was turn over the entire situation to the Lord God of Israel. What a way to go. 
Why did he turn it over to the Lord God, though? Why? Because he had saved David's life from every distress. David gave him credit. The Lord has saved me from absolutely everything that has ever troubled me. I'm going to let him deal with it. Oh, gosh. Could we learn to live like that? Certainly we can. This is a good lesson for us here. But you remember, though, when David had Uriah killed and tried to cover it up, remember, he was trying to do all these things to try to keep people from finding out. David tried to fix it. He couldn't. And the more David tried to fix it himself on his own way, the worse things got. And so here's David, a man who once struck down giants, but now he has no power of his own. He now has to reflect back on how he had to learn to trust in the Lord God so completely. And he did learn to trust completely by now. Look at the journey he's made. He was trusting in the Lord God so completely that David gave Bathsheba a promise. Did you see that? He said, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king. This is not the same David we knew back in 2 Samuel, is it? This is now a refined David who had learned to trust in the Lord so implicitly that he was confident enough to promise that Solomon would be king, not Adonijah. Now, do you know that we can be like David? We can be just like this. Whenever you find yourself absolutely powerless to do anything about your trouble, always remember that God is trustworthy and God is able to take care of your trouble. Just let him have it. Give it to him. And you know, the more we try to fix these things ourselves, the more we mess it up. The Lord God is able to save you from every distress. Turn it over to him. Psalm 34, 19 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from most of them. No, it doesn't say that. Those of you who are reading along with me. It says, The Lord delivers him from them all, all of them. I know some of you are thinking, oh, you know, I I got problems and the Lord can take care of it. I know that, but not this one. For some reason, you're saying not this one. Yes, he can. From every distress, the Lord delivers him from them all. And that's good news. But let's not overlook a prominent point in this chapter, which is the fact that God was still keeping his covenant promise to David that he had told him long ago. And he's still holding it up, despite how many times and how badly that David had failed. David sinned messed up a lot of times. A lot of things went bad. But God is still holding the covenant up. David knew by covenant. Christian, get this, okay? You need to know by covenant what you can and cannot do. But David knew by covenant and by faith that the throne would be kept firm. We need to learn to think like this, Christian. You need to know the covenant that you walk in with Jesus Christ and learn to walk assuredly by faith like David was doing here. Because there's going to be a time when your strength is gone. Are you confident enough in the covenant? Do you even know the covenant you're in? You need to learn that. We're saved and by grace and Messiah Jesus walk in that covenant. Numbers 23, 19. I want to show you how when God makes a covenant. He keeps it. When he he told David, I'm going to keep this covenant, you watch. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Friends, basically this says that when God says he's going to do something, he will do it. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set